the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. Joining me today is Landon McCool. You can listen to him on the Best Coast Boys podcast. You can also follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. Landon, what is going on, sir? I just, uh, we're doing this a little bit early this morning. I uh, I, I had my, my built bar to kind of get me going. There you go. Uh, nice. I got some, got some coffee. Uh, I'm ready to go. Ready for some questions. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to get to some of your Twitter questions in a second. Uh, but before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about this Leighton Van Der Esch news. Uh, Van Der Esch was on a podcast, the Boys and Girls podcast with Jane Slater, uh, a couple days ago. And he was talking about his health entering the 2020 season. Uh, and Van Der Esch said that there's been no setbacks. Um, he's actually feeling better now than he did before the injury. Uh, you know, this is something he has dealt with, this kind of neck injury for a while now. First of all, how much do we believe that Van Der Esch is actually healthy with no setbacks? And let's say, assuming that he is, how big uh, how big of an addition is it to the defense? Because I do think if you get a healthy Van Der Esch in 2020, the the ceiling for this defense is quite a bit bigger than or quite a bit higher than we've seen in a long time. What what are your thoughts on just generally Leighton Van Der Esch here? Well, first of all, I've been t- told by many people in this podcast that linebackers don't matter. But second Correct. of all, well, there you go. Now we can move on <laughs> to the questions. <laughs> second of all, uh, I you know I I do believe him. I mean, I guess I don't really have a reason not to believe him. I mean, I think that. In my it's opinion, just that t- players are always more optimistic. optimistic sure, they should. Do, they should be. I know, but I also think that there's a. The other side of that is, I also think that there's a point where the the players don't need to be, um, you know, optimistic. I, I think, yeah, I mean, I think with health and stuff, it's tough to know. You know, it's just it's they're gonna probably be sunny side, but I, I do, you know, I do think that the fact that he finally got to get surgery to kind of fix something that had been lingering. There could sure. be something to that, you know, and and not that it is, not that surgery, you know, automatically by any stretch of the imagination means that you're out of the woods for that injury for the rest of your life, especially when you talk about something as structural as a neck or a back or that sort of thing. But I do, I do, I, I do think that it's certainly within the realm of possibility that the surgery uh, relieves something that needed to be relieved, and that e- even if it's a pain tolerance thing. Maybe his pain has gone down, and and is you know just a nagging aspect of it isn't nearly as uh, sure. as, as as strong, and and that doesn't mean that there isn't the the, the possibility of of re injury in the future, but at least maybe day to day or you know practice to practice, it's more comfortable than it than it was previously. Okay, so what do you make of the news of uh, this is from Michael Galkin of the Dallas Morning News um, about the Cowboys potentially moving Van Der Esch inside to middle linebacker and then having Jalen Smith play the weak side linebacker with Van Der Esch getting the green dot the the, the microphone and the helmet or the uh, the headset and the helmet. Uh, what are your thoughts on maybe that position change? Yeah, I mean, I think if you. I mean, depending on what they are talking about, you know, Mike and Will are pretty interchangeable. And especially if you're talking, you know, if they go to a 3-4 base at any point, um, you know, that's the, the Mike as opposed to the Jack is is more, or more of the kind of run and hit Will linebacker anyways. So yep. uh, that really isn't something that's very different from what he's doing. 
I think if anything, the role is change is more likely to be different for Jalen. I just be, agree. Yep. Just because, yep. I mean, I, you know, I think he'll get some traditional Will looks, but I do think that he will also be doing a lot more uh, variety of stuff, more blitzing, you know, more uh, more kind of being a, a useful tool in the defense as opposed to a cog kind of doing the same routine over and over again. I think that's probably what Jalen does best. Yeah, I keep coming back to this. Last year, um, Demario Davis for the Saints, he actually just plays the weak side linebacker role in their defense. He's a guy that's coming downhill, blitzing a lot. I, I think that's a better spot in Mike Nolan's defense. If he's playing that weak side linebacker, he can be maybe a little closer to the line of scrimmage. Uh, you know, you'd actually think the middle linebacker would be doing that, but actually in this scheme, it's a, it's a, it's a tad bit different. So, if they can get him to play like a Demario Davis, uh, I, that would be just a, a home run for the Cowboys. Um, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll start answering some of your Twitter questions. Just wanted to remind you guys that today's episode of the Locked On Cowboys podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar that you will ever have. I can promise you that. It's hard to even explain just how good Built Bars are. Uh, I tried the peanut butter one the other day and was just blown away by how good it was. Did not taste like a protein bar at all. I swear that you're eating a candy bar, and that's just how good it is. Uh, the best part about Built Bar is they're fantastic for you. They have an amazing combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar. There's no crazy additives. If you want to experience a Built Bar, and I highly, highly recommend that you do, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first box at BuiltBar.com. All right, Landon, um, this first one comes from John. Uh, can Blake Jarwin exceed Jason Witten's receiving line from 2019 given the talent on the offense? So last year, Jason Witten had 63 receptions for 529 yards, averaged a solid 8.4 yards per reception. My gosh, that's bad. And four <laughs> touchdowns. Uh, can Jarwin break that uh, those numbers this season? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think he could definitely break the yardage. Um and probably he probably could break the touchdowns too if you consider if he's I mean I really think that one of the areas that he hasn't been used enough and that he should be used more is in the red zone especially I agree. the way yeah. this team you know is lacking in, in red zone touchdowns um I, I I don't really know I mean I think the touch distribution on this team is going to be interesting this year just because there's so many New, I mean, there's you know, two huge losses in the touch category in Cobb and, and Witten, and then you know you're kind of redistributing those out to Jarwin and uh, you know Ceedee Lamb and and probably some extra ones for Tony Pollard, and so it's kind of tough to kind of parse that out. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if Jarwin got similar touches, similar targets that that Witten got last year and then just did more with it mm-hmm. you know and just averaged a lot you know maybe even double what Witten did on yards per catch and 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 just kind of had more numbers and took better use of his opportunities because I think he's going to be more of a he has more of a deep threat aspect to his game oops I know I know you're not a big um fantasy football fan mm. but one of the one of the things that the fantasy football community does really well is they break down schedules and how it favors or unfavors a, a, a player this year according to pro football focus uh 
Blake Jarwin has the fourth easiest tight end schedule in the NFL. They play a bunch of teams that just can't stop tight ends. Um, and when you look at what the Cowboys roster and their offense looks like this year, you would think they're going to be in a lot of 11 personnel and teams are really going to try to stop the running game and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. It would not surprise me if Blake Jarwin gets is the beneficiary of all that attention, right? I, yeah. I can see games where he has eight, nine receptions because he's against the linebacker that's just not as athletic as him. Or he's the, the guy on the RPOs that's stretching the middle of the field. I would be shocked if he doesn't surpass all of those numbers of Jason Witten. And actually, I think there's a decent chance he goes quite a bit bigger than that. I think he could he could match Witten's numbers from like what 2014, where it's 700 yards, six touchdowns. I think that's pretty realistic. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's possible for sure. I think it's you know it's really hard to like I said predict touches at this point just because you have. Uh, a new offensive system that's kind of your old offensive system that's missing two of the main players that were getting touches last year and you've got younger players taking those spots so you you know I think the targets you have an idea but I don't know what the results are going to be but I, I certainly don't think it's outside the realm of possibility for Jarwin to have that type of year I mean I think that you know he's shown you no. that he ha- is a big time receiving threat and when they you know focus on him when they give him opportunity, he converts. So, uh, no, it's certainly not outside the realm of possibility that he can, you know, string that out into a very solid uh, season, uh, and you know, be become one of the the top receiving tight ends in football. I mean, I I, I think he has that kind of talent, and be, because of all the people around him, he's going to get the matchups. And and just like you mentioned, the teams that he's playing, it sounds like he's going to get the matchups that he wants. So, uh, really, there's plenty of opportunity for him to have a big season. All right, let's go to this next question from Michael. Ideally, how many touches would you hope for Tony Pollard per game this season? Like, what's what's the right number? Hmm. I'm going to say, like, seven or eight. Maybe yeah, ten. that's kind of the number I got, too. Yeah, yeah, like, I think per game, right? Is that what we're thinking? So, like, what, you're thinking maybe five carries and two to three receptions? Yeah, yeah, something like that. I feel that. like that's reasonable, too, right? Yeah, yeah. Like you, you can do that without having to to change your offense too much, right? Mm-hmm. And I think he'll be on the field more than that because I think he, you know, has value as a decoy for sure. Uh, but yeah, I think you know, eight to ten touches, I think is probably right at the top of what you want to expose him at. You know, in, when everyone's fully healthy and he's just kind of doing his his role as opposed to being the running back. Now, if Zeke gets yeah. hurt, obviously that's different, but. Uh, yeah, I think you know that that's a good amount of touches, you know, some maybe a kickoff return if those even exist still, uh, and then you know just give him an opportunity to on some jet sweeps, some, uh, screens, get him out and route, you know, those kind of things, and then again get some get some snaps where he's in the backfield with Zeke and maybe being a little bit of a decoy or run some mm-hmm. option stuff with him and Zeke and Dak. So there's lots of stuff you can do to get him the ball. So my hope is that Mike McCarthy and the rest of the team realizes that the more they use Tony Pollard, the better it'll actually make the Ezekiel contract look. Because the Cowboys signed Elliott to a long-term deal. They want to make sure when we get to year 2022-23 that Elliott's still performing uh, at a high level. Kind of limiting his touches a little bit and not giving him those 28-30 touch games I think will go a long ways to, to helping him kind of prolong his career. So 
Yeah, if they could give maybe Pollard what they used to do with remember Elliot like an, as a rookie they would give um, like every third drive to Alfred Morris or Derek yeah. McFadden. Remember that? Yeah, I, I wouldn't be opposed to them doing that with Tony Pollard because, because I think Pollard can handle it, and I think he's way more explosive. So I I would love to see the Cowboys kind of implement that you know strategy for Pollard. Um, is there any chance you know they try to go more to like a sixty forty backfield this year with? You know, Pollard getting 10 to 12, 13 touches a game, or is that too many? I, I mean, I think that I, I think that I don't know about a 60 40 touch. I mean, you know, but I I, th- I could see situations where, I mean, again, I, I, I'm going to see, I think we're going to see a pretty serious uptick of 21 personnel where, where they're both on the field at the same time. Right. So, um, whether that means that he's actually getting more touches than what we're suggesting, I, I, I mean, that, I think that may depend on the actual in-game scenario. But I, I think that, you know, there is something to the idea of wanting to keep your workhorse healthy. And, and you have a guy who is not just a uh, satisfactory a player, a guy that you actually think is an explosive player. So, yeah, I don't think that there's anything wrong with giving him a series, maybe having a, a whole series designed for, you know, plays that he runs maybe a little bit better than Zeke or, you know, that he doesn't have as much issue as Zeke does and stuff and just give him the opportunity to kind of mix, mix, be mixed in a little bit, mix up the defense and then give Zeke a blow and then let him come back in the game and, and, and still also run that kind of gadget route. I mean, that's, that's why I think he's going to get a lot of reps as kind of a gadget player is because ultimately he is also still the backup running back and, and a running back that, is good enough that you know you, you want to give him the ball like mm. it's it's you right. want to you, you're going to find ways to get out go out of your way to get him the ball because he can make things happen. All right, let's take one more quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk a little bit about the 2020 rookie class. Guys, we talk about physical fitness all the time, but there's another side of the game that is just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm, the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, and Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. And if you head to calm.com slash locked on, you'll get 40% off a Calm premium membership. Again, that's 40%. With Calm, you'll have access to the nature scenes that LeBron loves, like rain or leaves, and so much more, like sleep stories and meditation. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash locked on. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash locked on. That's calm.com slash locked on. All right, Lane, and this one comes from Mauricio. He wants to know, which rookies drafted and undrafted do you expect to make the 53-man roster? So we know C.D. Lamb's a lock. Diggs is a lock. Gallimore's a lock. I think Reggie Robinson probably is a lock, too. But after that, how many of these guys are likely to make the roster? We'll kind of go with the, the rest of the class. Uh, uh, by... Uh, I can't even remember how to pronounce it. Biadez, Biadish, the, the center Biedish, from Wisconsin. Biadish. Yeah. Do you think he's a lock to make the team? Biadish. Tyler Biadish, right? Isn't that what Biotish. it is? Biadish. There we yeah, go. Sorry. We'll eventually get it. Yeah, we'll get there. So, uh, 
So we're we're gonna move Breeze past the top three, right? Because we think obviously yeah, those are all yeah. making the team. So and, and I think Reggie Robinson's the lock to make it too, but that's yeah, just me. I did too. I mean, I think that they they clearly like him to the point where you know they're gonna give him opportunity, and I also think he's talented enough that you sure. know it's it's gonna he'll make the team. Uh, I, yeah, I think Biotish is probably you know pretty. I would definitely feel confident about him making the team. You know, they, they, they traded up for him. It's not just a fourth-round pick. I mean, I, they clearly liked him enough to go and get him. Um, so I think that, to me, you know, screams that he has very real opportunity. And the more I've watched of him, the more I like him. So I, yeah, he's I, good. He's I think, fun. Yeah, I think he has a real opportunity to take that starting center job this year. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't imagine him not making the team. Uh, Bradley and I... Um, yeah, this one is one I struggle with because yeah. they've got a lot of names at that position. Sure, um, I feel like it's tough to. It, I mean, despite how good Randy Gregory is, it, it would be tough for me to right now feel confident that Gregory's making the team over Bradley and I. You know, like yeah. I mean, there's, oh, yeah. there's just a long way for him to go. You know, it's yeah. it's he's got to be reinstated. We got to make sure, and I, yeah, but, I, I have f- total faith that he can do that, and that he has that ability. But it's, I mean, it's going to be tough for me to it, sit. But here. It, if he is reinstated, there's no doubt in my mind that he will be on the team. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, but I, okay. but I just don't know what the status of that is, and and, sure. and because of that, I think it throws Bradley and I's status in, in play. And you know what, honestly, God, maybe there's room on this team for both. You know, like maybe, uh, and, and and they can find a, a role for Bradley and I, and, and, and a way to get him on there. I I, I just feel like Anai is going to likely be a uh, healthy and active during the season, uh, a good portion. Possible, of the season. yeah, yeah. What a, okay, the, let's go ahead and move on to the Ben Denucci, their seventh round pick at quarterback. I, yeah, I mean, I think that he's he's on the team. I, I mean, I, th- I just think that they're going to take... Uh, well, I mean, I guess... Let me say this. I, I think that they're going to carry a third quarterback. I don't, I, I, yeah, I, I, I would assume it's been Danucci and, and not Clayton Thorson or maybe some other quarterback that hasn't entered, entered the fold yet. But uh, I would imagine that the quarterback three is a position that this team will have. Uh, yep. and, and then I imagine, right as of right now, Ben Danucci's got to be the front runner for that job. All right, what about uh, UDFAs? Any of those guys that you think have a chance? I'll go ahead and give mine while you're kind of thinking yeah. about it. I still like Charlie T, the H-back from Portland State. What was at the Senior Bowl, can help out at tight end, can also be a fullback, can be an H-back, can play on special teams. I just think he's got the best path because after after Blake Jarwin and Dalton Schultz, you're talking about what Blake Bell and Sean McEwen, another undrafted free agent. There's just not a lot of depth there. Uh, I think he maybe has the best chance to, to snatch a roster spot. What about for you? Yeah, I mean, I I think that it's probably going to be I, the problem is there's so much depth at all these spots. Yeah, you know, um, I I think Charlie T has the most interesting skill set of all these guys. But my question is like, where is he at in his football career? It just feels like every time I I, I read an interview or anything from him. He's not 100% sure what he's doing, like if he wants to be a football <laughs> player or if, if he's doing these things right. or So if he's committed and, and like, you know, and fully in it, then I would say probably Charlie as well. Uh, outside of that, 
I about Francis Bernard, the linebacker from uh, BYU? Yeah, I mean, Bernard is Bernard yeah. is a guy that just because of, again, I think he was a draftable player. I think because tape is really good. He's a guy that could end up making this team special teams or a healthy and active. Sure. Uh, I think Terrence Steele, just because he has, you know, a, a, an interesting blend of, of, uh, of, of talent. Uh, I, you know, and those guys... You. This is a guy who just normally I would say in a vacuum I'd want on my practice squad, but because he plays yep. offensive line, you know, there's, yeah, you got to keep those guys. You, yep. you end up having to usually keep those guys. So I would say he's he's another guy. Uh, I think you know I'm interested in seeing what exactly Rondell Carter has because oh, I, one, I know yeah. I know the team is really interested in him, and I liked a lot of what I saw uh, as a you know. Uh, uh, Talented, uh, technical pass rusher. He doesn't have a ton of, of uh, athletic upside, it doesn't seem, but he's tough and he's strong. Um, and I, I, I just want to see him versus uh, uh, that upper level of competition because if he can kind of translate that game, I think he could be a guy who could be an interesting rotational defensive end type. And then outside of that, I mean, I I don't know, maybe, maybe Sean McEwen. I, I mean, just because of the yeah, position, right. but but yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. Like none of these guys like super uh, uh, stick out to me as as, yeah. as definitely going to make the team without seeing I'll, them I'll, show up in, in training camp, right? Sure. Yeah, I'll give you one more before we go. I, I like Aaron Parker, the wide receiver yeah. from Rhode Island, quite a bit. Six two, two ten. Uh, has a, a you will watch his tape, and there is a bunch of incredible catches. Uh, three state, three straight seasons. He led the conference in receiving yards. Uh, as a team captain, the final year. I, I personally, I don't love the Cowboys' depth after the top three receivers. Uh, you know, you have Devin Smith who can't play special teams. Noah Brown who can't stay healthy. Cedric Wilson is a deep threat without speed. Who is you know can't stay healthy either. I, I think there's a spot for one of these UEFA's to kind of slide into the roster. So. Um, if Aaron Parker can prove that he can help on special teams, I think there's a, a, a job available to him. So a, a really, really loaded UDFA class. I mean, we just talked about like six different guys that have a chance to make the 53-man roster. So, Real um, quick, I would, I think, yeah, go ahead. I'm really looking forward to – and I think Stephen Gidry is another guy that I like him I'll a go. lot yeah. from wide receiver. I, I, I'm interested to see the three of them and then I guess Casey Rogers, who's kind of the – Rico gathers of the wide receiver position. I, I, yeah. I mean, all these guys going against John Vea Johnson, I think it's going to be an interesting you know, club uh, a, a training camp battle because I think John Vea Johnson with a year and under his belt uh, might be a completely different player. That's a very good point. And I think, you know, we saw flashes in training camp last year. The preseason was rough, but you could still see yeah. he, he was creating a bunch of separation. It was just the drops that were a problem. He needed to put it all and together, yeah. you know. He just needed yeah. to kind of finish that, and I think maybe a year in the tra- in the training could do that potentially. Absolutely, and I, I'm looking forward to seeing what he looks like in 2020. All right, that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Locked On Cowboys. And I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier, and we will see you next time.